0: listening to the podcast of the white church at the elk river ymca in minnesota our mission is to seek jesus connect together and share his love the reading is from luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20. in those days caesar augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire roman world Glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
1: Well, my friends and our honored guests, those who are with us too on live stream, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the wait is over. It's Christmas Eve. I was hand delivered a homemade card at my desk yesterday. I was at the home office, the Y was closed. And so in came uh, one of my daughters with a card, and it had a drawing and marker of a Christmas tree on the front. And over the top, spelled correctly, it said, Merry Christmas, Dad. So I opened it up, and then I found this inscription inside, also in marker, also correctly spelled. It's good. It said this, Dear Dad, when are we going to open our presents write a note back <laughs> the anticipation has been real and it probably doesn't help that i have put code names on the presents underneath the tree we started this a few years ago so that our kids don't know what kid is getting what gift and the older ones enjoy trying to crack the code the younger ones are probably just confused and With a couple hints along the way, the oldest two finally cracked the code last night. The code names, in case you're wondering or you want to help the younger ones, the code names this year were Kate McAllister, Phil Coulson, Lucy Pavenzi, Mayor Larry Vaughn, Eliza Doolittle, Mrs. Gundermutt, and the Fresh Prince. So if you have any tips, they might appreciate it. Of course, it's been a wild run-up. With the weather this week, it has just been a crazy run-up to Christmas. In fact, one of our kids does not have a gift yet under the tree because it has been stuck for several days in Iowa. I watched. It started in Mississippi and on time, and then Cedar Rapids, Cedar Rapids, Cedar Rapids. (laughs) So we'll see what happens tonight. And maybe some of you have been tracking packages a little bit more this year than in years past. That might be a common theme. What is missing under the tree? And that got me thinking about, in a sense, what is missing from the nativity scene? The nativity scene, you know, with the figurines that depict that first Christmas in Bethlehem. What do we miss when we just look at those sculptured figurines? Or what do we miss when we read the story, like we just did with Grace from Luke chapter 2. And we miss it either because of its familiarity, because we've heard it a few years, or because of its foreignness to our own culture and time. What are we missing between the lines? And this question, I think, too, is prompted by some reading I was doing during Advent. I happened upon a book originally published in 1959 by somebody named Jim Bishop. Now, if you're old enough, you might remember that name. Jim Bishop wrote a story called The Day Christ Died in 57, and it was such a big hit, it was so well-received, that two years later, he produced this companion book, The Day Christ Was Born. And he's a journalist. So he'd go on-site to the Holy Land, and he'd investigate, and he would read, and what he would do is write lengthier prose than what we have. And it would be historically accurate but he would kind of round out the story and fill it in with plausible details, much like how the Chosen does this in visual form. So all this had me thinking, what's missing from the nativity scene? What details can we fill in, not just imaginatively, but reliably? What can we draw out, and what would God want us to see? That's the question that I'd like to address this Christmas Eve And to focus on it with these four things in mind. The journey, the couple, the town, and the messengers. So we'll start with the journey. This whole journey gets put in motion when the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, issues a decree to count his subjects. Now if it's you and I, what is it, every ten years we fill out a form and then we're done. That's all you had to do. But in Caesar's day, they actually had to travel to where their family was from. And so just for fun, think about where you were born and imagine that you had to travel there on foot to fill out a census form. Now, for some of you, you were born and raised here, so relatively speaking, it'd be a short walk. For some of you, you would be walking halfway across this country, and I know some of you would actually have to also hop on a boat and get overseas to get to where you were born. For me, it would have been a medium walk. I would be walking to Rice Lake, Wisconsin, which, interestingly enough, is about the same distance that Joseph and Mary would have walked to Bethlehem. Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 90 miles, and walking eight hours a day, which is what they did if somebody was on a journey, would have taken about four days. Now, Mary was late into pregnancy, wasn't she? So they say maybe they had to slow their pace, and it took longer, maybe up to a week, but they're on foot. Maybe Mary is riding a donkey. It's often depicted that way. The Bible doesn't say so, but either way, it was an arduous journey, something that you don't see when you just look at the nativity. Secondly, I think we can fill in some more details about this couple. In the nativity, at least how I've seen it depicted here and there. It's usually a stately, reverent-looking Joseph. And then there's the more tender posture of Mary, the mother. But we can fill in a little bit more than what we see in the figurines. For instance, one of the most interesting details is about their age. Now, Joseph would have been older than Mary, as was their custom. But Mary, by our standards, would have been quite young. Based on the evidence, Bible scholars feel pretty certain that she was 13 or 14 years old. So, 8th grade, plus or minus. Jim Bishop imagines the couple then as they approach Bethlehem. They're on their final travel day, and I thought this part I'd share with you. is he retells the story, they're kind of pushing through a long day to get to Bethlehem. And so the sun has already set. And this is how he describes it, those last few miles between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. He says, There was little traffic on the road. A few transients who lived near Jerusalem hurried by, trying to reach home without spending an extra night under the stars. And then he says, Something happened. Something happened suddenly to Mary, and she knew in a moment that this would be the night of the baby. She asked Joseph to stop, And he became alarmed and asked if she was unquiet. No, she said, I feel no pain, but we must find an inn. The baby, with God's help, will be born tonight. Joseph was frightened. He knew nothing of these things. What does that mean? Well, he doesn't know too much about childbirth. And of course, the actual birth isn't described or depicted. By the time we arrive at the nativity, we have the baby in the manger. But God the Son, remember our study through John chapter 1, the second person of the Trinity arrived via childbirth. Born of a teenage girl, not even old enough to drive. And Jim Bishop calls Mary's task a heavier responsibility than any other person ever bore. Listen to this. An enormity of weight which could be maintained only by one too young to appreciate it. And I thought, maybe he's right. What certainly is true, though, is that there are lots of young people in the Bible who display deep measures of faith. Gideon, David, Daniel, Mary, and so students who are here with us on this Christmas Eve. To me, that says the time is now for you to follow boldly and to lead. Thirdly, on our little list, let's consider the gritty town of Bethlehem. You don't see that in the nativity scene either. We just see this pastoral scene of the stable, or some scholars actually say it might have been a cave, because that's also outside of Bethlehem where they would have kept the animals. Wherever it was, there was a manger. That much we know. That's in the text. But we don't see Bethlehem behind it the town where this took place. And I'm reminded we had a number of travelers from the Y Church this year who together visited Israel and had the chance to walk the Holy Land. And of course, one of those spots to see is Bethlehem. But one of the things in preparation that any good travel agency will do is they will give this disclaimer that when you go to Bethlehem, you cannot imagine just this idyllic scene from the Christmas carols. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Not really. It's a real-life Palestinian city. It's actually about the size of Elk River. But Elk River is spread across 40 square miles, whereas Bethlehem is across four. So it's densely packed, car horns honking, souvenir shops peddling their wares, shawarma and falafel stands, Tattoo parlors, because nothing says I've been to Bethlehem like a tattoo. It's in Palestinian territory as well, which simply means the Palestinian side tends to be poorer than neighboring Israel. But you don't see any of this when you just look at the nativity. The only thing that is clear is the obscurity of this place. Because we know, even as you look at the scene, kings aren't born in a barn, Babies don't belong in a manger, they belong in a crib. We know that much, but what we don't see is the unimpressive, I would say even off-putting backdrop of Bethlehem. And that brings us to the messengers. If we've ever heard this story before, then we're not surprised to hear that there were these shepherds out in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. But what we might take for granted is that God chose, of all people, shepherds to be the first recipients of the news. And that got me thinking this year, what would be our modern equivalent of a first century shepherd? What kind of job? Have you ever thought about that? And the answer that I came up with as I considered this, just one idea, there'd be other good ones, I'm sure, the idea I had was that of an over-the-road trucker. Because number one, It's a vital job in our society. We all know that. And yet at the same time, it's not held in very high esteem. And the long-haul trucking world, just like shepherding in Bethlehem, has a subculture that is all its own. But that is the way the call came in. And I just imagine in a modern rendition of the story, some lonely truck stop out in the middle of nowhere somewhere in this country And the night sky lights up, and the message of the gospel is entrusted to truckers and their CB radios. In the nativity scene, we don't see the fields. We don't see the sky full of angels. We just see a shepherd or two who are standing there, usually a respectful distance from mother and child. At youth group, a couple nights ago, as we wrapped up the semester, we were in the community room and we were playing minute-to-win-it games with a little bit of fear factor mixed in. And we had one of the categories be characters from the nativity. And one of our high school guys, facing off against one of the girls, it's boys versus girls, he said, you know, and it's on a timer, so you got to hit the timer every time. He said, shepherd. And that was correct. But then his next answer was, other shepherd. And we disqualified him for that answer. But these shepherds, whether it was one and the other or more, I imagine there was probably more, they weren't just standing by in Bethlehem. What we don't see in the nativity is how they tore through town to arrive and then how they left. It says right in Luke's gospel, they spread the word. And I don't imagine these guys were bashful about it. It says they returned to their fields glorifying and praising God. And I imagine they woke up a lot of people on their way out of town that night. And why? Well, that part of the story is crystal clear. Because the Savior had been born, the Messiah, the Lord. And that takes us to the purpose of His coming. And one last thing, of course, that we don't see in the nativity, and that is the cross. The wooden manger, yes, we see that, but not the wood of a Roman cross. And yet just six miles away, the distance from here to Big Lake was the distance to that hill outside of Jerusalem, Golgotha, where Jesus would give his life. And this is the purpose for which he came, to give his life as a ransom for many, the Bible says, for you and for me. And I suppose that begs the question, where am I in the nativity scene? Because that's not depicted either. But where am I in it? Am I on bended knee or am I on the outside looking in? Is the nativity missing me? And I don't know what kind of year that you have been through this year, but my guess is even just regardless of age and stage in life that it's not been a walk in the park this life is an arduous journey it seems that every joy is also met or intermingled with sorrow lived in real time with innumerable caesars and decrees that you can't control and then of course you know that's on the outside but then there's what's going on on the inside I found it very interesting. Just a couple of weeks ago, in early December, the Oxford word of the year was announced. And it is for 2022, the word goblin mode. Goblin mode. Here's the definition. A type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy. That is the word of the year. And it's almost like it's one up to the idea of Netflix and binge, and it doesn't care. You want to know what the runner-ups were to goblin mode? The words metaverse and hashtag I stand with. And I think you put it together, and it sounds like we're so lost in the metaverse that we don't know what we stand with anymore, and so all we're left with is goblin mode. When left to my own devices... I know that's exactly where I stand. Tim Keller says, the gospel is this. Listen very carefully. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared to hope. And in that sense, my friends, nothing is missing from the Nativity. It's all there. Everything that you or I ever needed forgiveness, life, salvation, purpose, freedom so that I can write back to my daughter who handed me that card and I can say, We already did. The presents are already here. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. This is just the after party. And so Merry Christmas and let's bow together in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, on this Christmas Eve 2022, we bow our heads to say thank you for providing everything that we need in the Nativity. You sent your Son in the flesh to live and to die for us. And we receive that gift anew tonight. Lord, there are a lot of people in our lives who need to hear this good news. And so we pray that you would give us the boldness of those first messengers to carry this news far and wide. We ask in Jesus' name, for the sake of our Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at theychurch.org.